Back to the Culture Call on Praise 93.3 with L. Spencer Smith. Our desire is to reach and empower the community by discussing a cross-section of relevant topics from various perspectives that are essential to its growth and interpersonal connections. Be sure to save our call-in number 205-752-4800. Be sure to install the free Praise 93.3 app so you can send L. Spencer Smith a message or topic idea. Search for WTSK in your app store. This is the world Great morning, great morning, great morning. You know what time it is. It's time for the culture call. That's right. <laughs> the place where Tuscaloosa meets the world with your truly Elspeth Smith right here. On Praise 93.3, and we're getting ready to have an amazing morning. You know what? For the next two hours, yeah, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're going to be talking a little bit about everything. That's right. From society to sports, education to economics, definitely from religion to relationships, we are here to create always a safe space and to kind of shake up everything in our community as we have an empowering, provocative, and yes, sometimes controversial conversations. And guess what? You can call in and chat it up with me. That's right and be a part right here together as we learn on the Culture Call. Want to send a shout out? Maybe this is your first time listening to the Culture Call. Welcome to the CC family. That's right. I'm going to make up a jingle about that. Yeah, the CC family. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in this morning. And we just have it here, conversation, chatting up. You know, sometimes we have guests. And most times I'm here just giving you what's happening in our community. And uh, you have made you have made a, a, a wonderful stop, a wonderful uh, place to hang out for the next two hours. That's right. So we welcome you to the CC family, the Culture Call family. It's going to be a day of information and impartation and most definitely inspiration. Thank you so very much. And to, of course, to all of my family that listens to me every morning, I am so very blessed uh, to have you partnering with me to make this the number one talk show in the region. That's right, the number one talk show. Thank you so very, very much. I appreciate you, you, and most certainly you, because we cannot do it without your listening. And uh, from the bottom of a grateful heart, I want to say thank you for always tuning in. Want to always, always give a shout out to the inimitable brother Jay who blazes it from 5 a.m. all the way up until he passes that hot baton to me. Some days I feel like he's passing lava to me. <laughs> yes, playing the best and good gospel music, both contemporary and traditional, and helping us push through, get ourselves together in the morning. Shout out to Brother Jay and to all of you who tune in and stay over after he's off the air. You stay over and listen to Bishop L. I really, really appreciate that. Hey, do me a favor. I want to always encourage you uh, to listen to Praise 93.3 on the go. Do this. How, how can I do that? Here's how you do it. Go to your app device, uh, your app store on your smart device, whether it's an Apple or an Android, and search out Praise 93.3 FM. There you're going to find a free app. That's right. doesn't cost you a thing. It's free 99, right? Go ahead and download that, download that on your phone. And guess what? It gives you the ability, the privilege to listen to us anywhere in the country. Dare I say, even in the around the globe, you can hear Praise 93.3. You can tune in to uh, Brother Jay, then the Culture Call, and all of our wonderful programming here at Praise 93.3. 
but you got to have that app. So whether you're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Baltimore, Maryland, whether you're listening to me from Richmond, Virginia, Los Angeles, California, Dallas, Texas, and most certainly right here in Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Mobile, Montgomery, Huntsville, wherever you are, Boulder G, Utah, Reform, Gordo, you can be right here listening to the culture call and we will greatly appreciate that yeah listen want to make sure that we let everyone know the wonderful things that you are doing uh to make our community go forward so in order to do that you need to make me your public service announcement announcer it doesn't cost a thing listen pr and marketing i was just listening uh the other day that the average 30 second not 30 minute 30 second commercial on the super bowl cost Seven million dollars. Yeah, just to have a 30 second commercial costs seven million dollars because the world understands the importance of PR and public announcement. That's right. And they charge a heap and helping. Yeah, that's a whole lot of money. But here at Praise 93.3 and right here on the Culture Call, it is free 99. Go ahead and send me your public service announcement at to culturecall.praise at gmail.com. That's culturecall.praise at gmail.com. And give me an opportunity to let Lottie Dottie and everybody know what's happening in your church, your organization, your sorority, your fraternity, whether you're an artist getting ready to have a concert or a preacher getting ready to start a fire-blazing revival. It means something that when I announce it on the air and you see faces in the place, it encourages you. It makes you know that what you're doing is matters, right? And we do that collectively because we do it better when we do it together. And as always, we want to help each other. Listen, go ahead and write down the golden number, 205-752-4800. And don't be scared, like the kids say. <laughs> don't be afraid to give me a call. Call in to the show and be a part of the conversation. Or you can utilize the uh, the app. Yeah, the, the app you just downloaded. Yeah, you can utilize that whether you're at work and you can't talk or you're not supposed to be talking on the company phone, the company hour. I get it. You cannot waste the company's dime. Yeah, but you can send me a chat message and I read it. Absolutely. You can do that. Let me know how well I'm doing. Let me know how the uh, the topic's blessing you or whether I'm doing well or whether I'm stinking up the joint. Doesn't matter. Go ahead and stay connected because I want to hear from you. Yeah. So do me a favor. Hey, let's get ready. Sit back and relax. Grab you some coffee, whether it's Maxwell House or Starbucks. Go ahead, get you some tea. If you're a tea person, you may not like coffee. You might be a tea person. That's no problem. Go ahead and get you some chamomile to kind of calm your nerves down, chill out. Yeah. With some ashwagandha or something. Yeah, you can do that. Or you can get you some green tea and get you a little caffeine kick just to kind of push you over and push you through the day. Or definitely always, this is my favorite, you can go and get you some uh, alkaline water, water period, but alkaline water, that's right. Uh, that's the water with the black label. I love Essentia, uh, alkaline water. It just does your body good. It flushes you out, makes you clean, gets you ready, uh, makes your body whole and healthy. And let's get into the culture. Listen, I hope everyone had a wonderful, uh, love day. And that's whether you had a boo or not, right? Whether you're married, engaged, or whether you're living the single, single life, like Cameo said, you know. Yeah, whether you are doing that does not matter. Living single is is still in order. You can do that and still have a happy life. You can love on yourself. Many people had, I, I heard it this year for the first time, a galentine where uh, the girls got together and just 
you know, had a good time, loved on each other. And, you know, uh, whether, whatever it was, whether you went out, whatever, the church might have had something uh, for, for you or your job or whatever it is. I hope that you felt loved. I hope that you experienced the appreciation and knowing that you matter and that you count. Uh, yesterday is so important, you know, not just because of the gifts given. I know a lot of people, they say, quote unquote, their love language is gifts, you know, give me gifts and all of that. I understand all that. Uh, but, but, but you are a gift that your presence in this world is a gift. Yeah. Your smile is a gift. You just don't understand. Sometimes when you show up, people perk up because God has granted you, uh, a, a gift of just being that kind of person to who who people embrace, who people enjoy being around. Have you ever, ever been around somebody that you couldn't wait till they left? Well, God has blessed us because you are not that person, that you bring joy uh, to the life of people and that they took some time at least to text you, to call you or say whatever, to say to you, hey, I really am blessed. I really love you. I really appreciate you. That meant a lot. I hope that you had a wonderful day. Took time. Uh, fathers, if you had daughters, took time to embrace them and love them. Uh, might have bought them a little something. My daughter reminded me uh, that I didn't get her any chocolate this year. So I'm going to have to leave here after the day. And uh, after I get off the air and go get my baby some chocolate. Because she said, I love the chocolates you gave me. Yeah, daddy was slipping this year. Uh, you know, because, hey, I thought she wasn't eating chocolate this year, but she let me know, um, don't do that again. So I got to go ahead and make reparation <laughs> to my sweetheart, Joe, make sure that I get her some chocolates. Absolutely. But nonetheless, I hope that you all had a good time. And mothers, you told your sons, hey, I love you. And you made them feel love. Husbands told your wives, wives told your husband. Yes, yesterday was love day. And not just on one day, February 14th. I hope that Every day is a day of love for you. I hope that that is a part of what you do every day, right? To show people a culture called that you love them and that they matter and that you appreciate them. Doesn't mean anything romantic or intimate, right? But it could be something just platonic friends. You just never know. Someone just need might might have needed a pat on the back or might need a pat on the back or just an embrace or just a, hey, you're doing good. You know, you just never know how far, you know, little signs and little, little uh, mentions and little actions go, right? Love is a big word that can be expressed in small actions. And so let's always do that. Um, and put that into activity. Okay, good deal. Listen, so when I got up this morning, we want to make sure uh, that we could keep the, the folks in Kansas City, Missouri uh, in prayer. Uh, they were out yesterday experiencing the celebration for the Super Bowl when Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl this year. And unfortunately, uh, there arose uh, uh, some gun uh, folks were shooting guns and, you know, uh, I think at count two were killed and uh, over 22 people were hit. Uh, and it's a shame that tragic in this country, the supposedly the most advanced country on the face of the planet, the most economically aware that we are still acting like we are desperados in Dodge City that, you know, so pe so many people um, really go so far with this Second Amendment idea, an erroneous reading um, because of, you know, it used to be this time, uh, in, a time in the country where, uh, we took care of each other and we kept the gun lobby in check. But because of money, and that's all it is, capitalism, uh, that even those who are, we elect to protect us, 
you know, they're talking about, you know, it says a well-regulated militia. First of all, first of all, if you understood the history of why they even put the Second Amendment in there, uh, that that whole idea of a well-regulated uh, militia, everybody doesn't fall into that. <laughs> everybody, yeah, we are not a well, uh, it's not a well-regulated militia uh, when you can go out and buy military-grade weapons and go into a crowd and just spray the crowd, right? That means, but because, you know, now people can take uh, guns out um, unconcealed, without license, without background checks, and that seems to be the order of the day, and I get it. There is some kind of context to that, and I'm not going to dive into that today, but when you think about it, it doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody, and I, that's what I'll just put that there where I put that, right? There, there in America, unfortunately, there's a difference uh, when a uh, when a, a Caucasian man walks around with that weapon and a black man walks around with that weapon, a Hispanic man, yeah, because this country has a particular caste system where even it looks through and adjudicates its laws through, right? So that's very important for us to understand uh, that. At any given moment, because again, we 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 understand how you know that mentally ill challenge, and that's what they say. Well, it's mentally illness. It's mental illness. It's it's evil. You know, those who are Christian, I, I air quote question because no, it's evil. It's Satan. Yeah, but yeah, how you know how do you control that? That 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 these people are living in anthropological or human existence, right? And so there's got to be laws and regulations and standards in place. You can't just say it's the devil. Uh, no, and we know what to do when, when we say the devil appears. We don't run. Uh, those of us who are believers, we stand against him, right? We do something about it, but there seems to be uh, no will in Congress. And when you start looking at how much the NRA, the only time that the NRA has been against gun possession and, the you know, uh, how much they push it now was when the Black Panthers back in the 60s and 70s had guns and per, to protect our neighborhoods and things. That's when they had an issue. So that tells you a whole lot. It's it's selective, right? But, yeah, let's keep them in prayer, Culture Call. Somebody's lost a mother, a father. Uh, children were hit as well. Um, let's, let's, let's look at that. Let's make sure that we get down on our knees and we intercede and we pray and we ask that the will of the Lord be done, that healing will come quickly and, uh, that those who committed that crime would be adjudicated, uh, swiftly. And, uh, so that, that we can move on as a country such as it is. So that's very, very important. Um, what else is going on in current events? Glad that you asked. What else is going on? Well, I'll tell you that, um, uh, what is that? President Trump tried to get, former President Trump tried to get, uh, the, the, the judiciary to throw out, uh, his, uh, indictments, um, you know, wanted to be immune from indictments in the New York case against, uh, election tampering in New York, bought by the Attorney General Alvin Bragg. And this morning, uh, they did not grant them that he was denied that. So he has to go to court to talk about election tampering. And see, and so all of these filings that the former president is doing, unfortunately, is only delaying. He can't, he knows he's guilty, but he's trying to delay until the election because he, in his mind, he feels like when he's elected, he can wipe out the whole thing and he doesn't have to face anything. And there are people that support that mindset. And I, for the life of me, Culture Call, do not understand wh why people 
You know, because the people that are voting for him and supporting him to have immunity and not to be adjudicated, if they were not politicians, I'm talking about regular, ordinary people, if they were in the same position, they would be going to jail. They would be going to court, right? So why would you vote for somebody who you know you don't even have the same privilege to do what they're doing? It's a grab for power, and that's unfortunate, right? That's very unfortunate. My prayer is that justice prevails and and honest and equitable justice prevails and that he is treated like anyone else that has broken the law and that has failed this country and to a higher level because when you give when you indict people with wealth and power uh it's seemingly that the 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 justice moves very slow but when you indict the guy who joe blow uh and and from around your neighborhood it seems like that justice works really really fast right and that is by design that is not selective. That is by design. And so, yeah, uh, so that's what's going on. So much more going on. Uh, yeah, we, we could talk all day about politics. Don't want to do that because my subject matter today and black history, as we reflect over all of the greatness and the celebration, all of our history and all of the things that are going on, our focus today is on getting, doing family right. I want to talk about uh, the the construction or the reconstruction of the black family today. That's what I really want to talk about, right? I want to talk about, you know, making sure that the cornerstones of our community are set in place, right? Uh, are putting put in a, a place where we can advance and that we can be strong and that we can move forward and that we can build safe spaces uh, for for our for black folks. That's my my heart, you know. And the cornerstone of that is, of course, the black church, uh, the black family, and the black educational system. And all of those other things begin to work uh, centripetally, centripetally around the black church, the black family, and uh, awareness of education. Around that, you have uh, health and you have all of those other things that make up the black community and, um, you know, in terms of businesses, et cetera. Uh, but we've got to begin to address the black family. And one of the things that in this country, why I'm addressing it during Black History Month, I believe this all the time as a pastor, I teach this, is that there has to be a holistic concern concerning what's going on in the family, right? Um, not to cast aspersions, not judging anybody, but one of the things that we do have to talk about is the family structure. Culture and society has changed it so much. And I get it. I get it. But there are some things that we have to bring forth a reminder of how God has set it up and just what works. Right. This country, uh, since we have been here from the uh, transatlantic slave trade, the enslaved up until the present has done an interesting job of, uh, I, I would say, creating situations uh, where the black family cannot thrive. Right. Uh, because they understood families start producing healthiness in children and in legacies and in inheritance. Families uh, begin uh, are the foundational uh, context of, or better yet, pretext to wealth building, um, to you know health care. Uh, family is uh, self care, right? That's where we learn our love. That's where we learn relationship. Families, right? And that there seems to be inequitable family edification with regards to how different families are treated, right? And we used to be that in the black community, 
but we have a, an aspersion uh, against it, if I can say that. And today I might ruffle a little feathers, but, you know, I've been born to do what I've been born to do. And when you look at the average black family, you know, we don't push fatherhood like we used to. First of all, we don't push uh, healthy relationships and marriage like we used to, right? Um, we don't push fatherhood like we used to. And to, when I say push it, I'm talking about support it in the home as we used to. Uh, that there are particular contexts um, where, whereby we all we see now we've allowed the culture to define uh, what fatherhood is, what motherhood is. We don't look at it uh, in terms of how we ought to come together to protect and parent uh, our children um, and and keep and build that safe space. Right. One of the things I can say when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s when I got older and went to college, one of the things that I can definitely say is that coming home meant something to me. Coming home to my family, uh, we lived in a small town, and most of you listening to me live a lot of times in small towns or in close proximity to family. Um, in a little place in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, I knew my family was going to be in a rural place in Cross, South Carolina, and then Ridgeville, South Carolina, my father's side, my mother's side. Uh, uh, and, and so... I knew all of my family. I, I knew the safety net. We were, I was able to go and stay uh, with my grandparents, my aunts and my uncles. I was there to go stay, you know, and, and, and feel safe. That when I, when I went there, there was safety because there was such connectivity. There was such community in family. And even in our neighborhood, you could walk up and down the street of Fennec Drive and I could see family being produced, right? That you could go to your, in your neighborhood and everybody's everybody was everybody's family. Everybody was, you know, mama this or papa that, you know? Um, and we revered and regarded our community, the elders of our community in such a way as we did our own biological grandparents. And um, during Christmas, you can walk up and down the street and they would, they would give you a gift. They would give you a piece of change, you know? Uh, wasn't a lot, but you, they would, their family got gifts. You got gifts right along with their family, whether it was a card or some mittens or a hat, a cap. Didn't matter. It was this whole idea of family. And what I found as we rolled into the 90s and even through that into the 2000s, and now we're in 2024, there seems to be something lost with regards to the necessity of building strong families, not just biological, natural families, uh, nuclear families, what we call them, but also community families, right? Uh, that there is not a, 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 a honor, a respect, or a reverence for the context of family, right? Uh, for fatherhood, for motherhood, uh, children are, are learning how not to respect. Um, they, they see themselves possessing agency and possessing their own will. Uh, I don't have to listen to you. And that's been created by a generation that have birthed children uh, through their own lack of honor and reverence. They're disconnected from that, that reality of what a safe family looks like. And so those people have children and they raise those children to be just as skeptical, just as cynical, just as distrust, distrusting of the family unit as they had experienced, right? And one of the things that we have to do and call into consideration again 
is to, number one, if we're going to build strong families, we got to admit that there is something wrong with the context of our families right now. Right now, uh, we don't, our families don't have a, a church. They don't, they don't have a family faith, right? Uh, that, 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 you know, on Sunday, what is the family? What is most important is the, you know, un- unfortunately is the, the athletics that, you know, used to be the school and athletics respected, uh, the family worship time, the family coming together. That Sunday was a definitely a sacred day for a safe, a sacred space. Well, no, they've got, they've got practice during Sunday to where, you know, if they do come to church, they got to leave early and parents, you know, let their kids leave early. Uh, they don't even come at all because my kids got a tournament and my kids got a that. And again, I get it, uh, you know, in terms of I want my child to be this athlete because they, they see, they've added in the equation of their children's talent as a way, as a ticket to get financially secure and it's all about capitalism if you understand that it's all about dollar dollar bill bill right and it's caused us to make uh, unhealthy and unhold decisions with regards to uh, the building of our family unit that we are willing to make certain sacrifices and what we what we don't acknowledge is that there is not a family worship moment a family, you know, a, the family doesn't know the pastor. The family doesn't come to church. You know, they don't see that element of spirituality and faith being edified in the family that we normally go to church uh, when it's a wedding and or a funeral, right? Unfortunately. Um, and, and so when you take out that family element of faith, because the church is where morals and values and standards are set in place, are edified or re-emphasized because we hear it at home, hopefully, and then we come to church and the church, the pastor is saying, hey, you got, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we learn that level of morality, uh, from the whole unit. You know, I told you again, three, uh, it was also family was also in school. Right. Our teachers were a part of our family and, you know, all of those different kinds of things. Our custodian, Mr. Jones, Miss Miss Jones, they worked there. We grew up with their children, you know, and so all of us, it was never, uh, you know, we honored Mr. Jones and Miss Jones and uh, Miss Bush. You know, those were the janitors of our school. We honored those just like we honor our own family. They are older than us. Our grandparents, we revered them as well. But that's not what it is now. Right. That schools are not family oriented. It's not safe or, you know, that when our parents used to walk into schools, the teachers, the principals, everybody knew them. Everybody knew them. And now there's such a, a lack of, of orientation around family relationship and community, even when we walk in school. So when you take it out of the home, there's a little shakiness with family there. When you take it out of, uh, the, the, the church, there is no family spirituality, no family faith being developed there. Uh, no, no grounding in morality, right? And in values. Uh, and then you go to school and, uh, the teachers, you know, they're like, listen, it's, it's more of a corrective institution, a correction institution than it is a school, a place of academic excellence in educational progress. It's less that now, you know? With all of those are having uh, a destructive effect on family. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is how can we reverse that? I think that needs to be reversed, don't you, Coach Call? I think we need to make a concerted effort. 
a concerted effort to rebuild black family in the church. I mean, in the in, uh, for now, in the church, in the home, and in the school. We need to build family community again, rebuild it, and place the emphasis on a safe space. We are creating and constructing a safe space for our children to learn, to be, to become, and that our families trust these institutions so that they can grow toward the future. That all it takes is one generation to make up their mind that we're going to do better by our families. And then you're going to see those things be reproduced. If it took one generation, a couple of generations to reverse that, to destroy it, all it takes is a couple of generations to build it back. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today right here on The Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, on your favorite station, Praise 93.3 FM. Keep it right here. Go ahead, get hydrated, listen, and don't miss it. This is the world And we are back right here on The Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. And we are having an amazing day right here. A beautiful post-Valentine's Day <laughs> celebration as we're talking about reconstructing the black family. And I am super excited to be sharing with you. In our first segment, we just kind of laid out the historical context of what happened to the black family. And again, I believe, I believe that it is essential for the future, the days to come, that there has to be models that are raised up. And I, I preach, I teach this. I, I try to exemplify this even in my own space, in my own church. I try to make sure of that we understand the value of family. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the uh, models of our church is that we are a family church where lives are changed through the word of God. So we are concerned about the total family unit. And I think what is important, especially in the black community, that regardless of what faith, what, what, perspective of what your past you come from you know your perceptions all of those things i think what is important is that we build safety safe spaces for our children we build safe spaces for the next generation and whether we experienced it or not whether we experienced it or not i think it is important for us to do the work of of really making sure that our children are protected that's one of the things that I really appreciate about my parents, that they made sure, you know, our family stayed together. That was their that was their desire, that our family stayed together, that my brothers and sisters and all of us stayed together. We stayed connected. You know, that was one of the last things that my mom said to me, y'all stay together. But daddy, me and daddy are gone on, but y'all stay together. So, you know, Ty, Kurt, Spence, we grew up in one bed. And, you know, three boys in one bedroom. That's our thing. That's three, you know, three boy, you know, three boys in one bedroom. That's what we call ourselves, right? Uh, but we had a sense of family that across, you know, across the street, uh, across really the path was our grandparents' house, my mom's parents' house. And, uh, and up the street, we knew everybody. It was a sense of safety that we could, we could be playing in the pitch black dark of night and never had to worry about being hurt. Never had to be a worry about being shot. Never had to worry about being kidnapped or anything happening to us. Because, you know, if it got too late and we were afraid to walk home, that our parents would say, well, you can go stay with, you go stay with this one. You can stay with that one and we'll come get you in the morning or whatever. They didn't have any kind of reservation about letting us, you know, 
experienced family that we would be safe. They knew that we were going to eat. We would have a safe place to sleep. You know, when they were out of town at work or going to uh, different educational teachers conventions, we would stay with our parents when our grand, my, when my grandparents and my grandfather was on revival and they couldn't keep us. We were free to stay with our folks in our community, right? And it was it was important uh, to them that we experienced that. And you know, sometimes I think about who could I let my kids do that with, right? And my wife and I, we created that kind of family extension. You know, we had grandparents. We had, uh, uh, you know, uh, she's a Moore. So, they, you know, they've got a bunch of family here. But who could we trust our family with, our children with? Who, if we needed any help, we could go to, right? And we created that family space for our kids that, you know, from our extended family. Um, and then we moved here. We had extended family when we were in Jacksonville. We had extended family. Uh, we would go visit my parents in South Carolina, had extended family there. <laughs> you know, my sister would come and just, you know, pick up the, you know, pick up her, her baby, the twin, my son, my oldest son, my sister Gwen would pick him up. She would, y'all almost there? Yeah. You know, but Joy wasn't going anywhere because she was, she was not that type of baby that just, you know, she had to have a mommy. But nonetheless, I, I, I digress. We had a sense of family, even in church. We knew, our children knew, you know, this, they were, the T this and T that, and they respected and revered elders. They were in the church working together. Our families grew up like that. And uh, now I'm looking at where is that? Is that still something that is important to the black community? See, we can be rifled with complaint and we can get into a place and in a space to where we are missing out on uh, the true context of of what it means to have community beyond our bloodlines. E- even 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 our children, the children that are growing up today, are coming out of dysfunctional families. You know that. You know again when I talk about this, you know I have to always alert people that I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking about the reality of the subject matter that we have children who have different parents, the mom's not married, you know, uh, uh, there's there's such a disconnect there that the grandparents don't necessarily, you know, they're so close in age to the children that they don't necessarily want, they they haven't accepted the grand level of their parenthood yet. Um, As I said before, schools are not the safest place. The teachers are not interested. I mean, and the funny part about it is even when I was growing up, the white teachers were a part of our family system. You know, Miss Cotrere, uh, Miss Bradwell, all of all, Mr. Bradwell, all of those, Miss Hunter. Yeah, all of those, the, the white teachers were a part of our family system that we created at that time. Now, it's not like that. It's not like that. And if we let it go on unnoticed and unchecked, we're going to produce a generation that has no understanding of the importance of family, dare I say, even community, right? They're finding those spaces in other places that are not healthy. They're finding those spaces and places in, uh, in, in, in what we would call the, um, in sports, that the football team and the basketball team are their families, right? And they don't know who they're, True aunts are, they don't, they, it's just so scattered all across the place. And what I'm advocating is a coming together, 
is a re-import, a reimagination. I even tell, uh, you know, people who are co-parenting that the issue is not right now because you've already made a decision not to be together, but is to build family, uh, for that child so that they will know that family is the normal thing, not your decision. Say it again. Say it again, Bishop L, because somebody didn't hear me, right? That your decision not to be together is not the normal thing. It's the family that you created, the co-parenting. That y'all ain't fussing at each other. You ain't dropping the kids off on the street. You know, you know, you bumping your horn and they got to come outside. And you got to put the kids on the porch and you ain't got no interaction, no kind of communication. And they grow up in that level of disconnect. They grow up in that level of bitterness. And what becomes the reality is your the context of your relationship with the person who you've had the child with as opposed to we're going to work together. We're going to put aside whatever we had and what is going to be important. We're going to interact. We're going to communicate. We're going to sometimes spend Christmas together. We're going to sometimes spend uh, Thanksgiving together. And I'm going to let anybody else who comes up into my life understand that I already got this family system. You are welcome to be a part of this family if you're going to be a part of me. But if you don't want to do that, then you are not the person that needs to be in my life. See, we need to understand that what's most important now is not the singular decision you made not to stick together, not to be together, that's a that's a relationship that's probably even another show, right? <laughs> that That's another show, right? Talking about marriage and, as opposed to the way that things are going. You know, it is what it is. But what is most important when that child comes is to create some level of connective, communicative family so that child will grow up in a system of understanding that I can go on my mom's side and on my dad's side, even though they may not be married and still experience the safety and watch this, the sacredness of family. I think that's very important. And we cannot dismiss that as a reality that we, that needs to be shaped as a reality that needs to be, that needs to be had, Right. That, yeah, you did something in your teens and X, Y, Z, and and I get it. I understand there's some bitterness there. But at some given point, as you grow older, what must become more important is that baby you're trying to raise. And and that community that you develop so that that child can, can grow from a place, not of dysfunction, but of determination. That all of the ingredients uh, may not be... That may not have been as as specific or as traditional. That's a good word. Traditional as I may have wanted it. However, what we're creating now is that child can go to either his parents, either one of his parents, and find family and safety, and they don't see warfare, relational warfare. I don't like you. Don't bring that other woman to my house. Don't bring the other man to my house. No, that's not how that needs to go. That's not culture call. Hear me now. I know you feel some type of way on what I'm talking about this morning, but I'm not going to say I don't care, but you kind of get the connotation that I kind of don't. It's not going to change what I'm saying. The reality is simply this, is that you got to put down your 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 your, your swords and, and, and beat them into plowshares, build, build, plant some good things, right? That that child finds safety now. They got an extended family, a larger family, right? You can deal with the context of other things when it arises, but it, it is is important, right? To make sure, even let's take it a step further. Um, I understand 
this generation's perspective, and it's not all. Let me put it like that. Let me say this: that we're living in the generations of what we of what they call nunners, sociologists, especially Christian sociologists, call nunners. That they don't want none of church. And no, it's literally is. You can type it. You can Google it. You can find it. N o n e r s nunners. They don't know. They don't have a system, a system of faith or belief. You know. Uh, they don't know anything about their morality is is subjective. I do what I feel. I do what brings me pleasure. I do what makes me happy. Um, I don't like what they call organized religion. And a, a, a lot of that, you know, it's funny that the church sometimes put that on just on a generation. But the church is culpable in the development of the nunners of that mindset, right? The, the church itself, and that's again another conversation, right? Um, because uh, we they've they've seen too much. They've seen uh, behind behind the veils of our, of what we used to hold sacrosanct and holy and and sanctified and and precious and pure. They've seen humanity peek up and flesh peek out too much from the sacred walls of the tabernacle of the temple, and it's hard to have morality. When and preach morality and teach morality and hold a generation to morality when you've not been moral or end or ethical in your own life, right? So the church has aided and abetted in that mindset, but there's a generation that doesn't even want to go to church. That their parents, you know, don't make them go to church, right? Uh, that their parents, you know, don't 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 provide for them a level of values. A system of, of, of morality, a system of spiritual development, because we are tripart beings, spirit, soul, and body. And each th- all three of those, each of those needs a level of development. And we're living in a generation that the, the, the families today, the parents today will get their children physically developed and they will miss entire, they will miss the community of church. They will miss the family of church. They won't put, place any importance. On the church. Now, y'all know when we grew up, mama said, hey, daddy said, if you can go out on a Friday night, if you can go to the game on a Friday night, you're going to be in church on a Sunday morning and tell your coach you ain't going to come to practice on Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's day. That's what they taught us. Right. And back then, the, the, the educational system, the sports system respected that. We're not having on, on Sunday because the coaches and the teachers, the trainers were Sunday school teachers, were pastors were people who were deacons and elders at the church and missionaries and mothers at the church. They had responsibility. So they couldn't do anything but now. But again, now that's totally different. It's about winning the championship and, be, and, and, and modeling a mock NFL, mock NBA, right? It, it's that. And so there's not space being created for the spiritual development of our children in the context of a healthy Christian environment or a healthy Christian family. And so that that uh, uh, you know uh, you know that 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 that's something important. We 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 got to make sure of that. We revisit that, and if we don't, well, it's going to perpetuate. It's going to get worse before it gets better, right? Because guess what? Back up, come forth. Let me show you. When you see there's an intermingling, a dangerous syncretism, if you will, of 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 church even now mixing with culture in the world. And preachers are getting caught up, not that they're doing anything, but they're getting caught up and they're, they're twisting scripture to, to make sure or to assert the reasons why they're there. 
and it's an unhealthy space. And our kids are like, well, if you're going to do this, then why I got to come to you? I can just go and do that. See, and so that there's a responsibility that all of us have to the context of what family will be. And then bring, again, in, in the educational system with teachers and make our children, and when I say make, I'm not saying beat it in them as in, ter- in terms of, of, you know, belt, extension cord, shoes. I'm not talking about beat them, beat them, but give them an appreciation, cause them to have an appreciation for the context of family, the context of family, and encourage them to have one of their own, you know, um, um, to 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 be able, I want to be able to treat my my kids to have their family to be in a, their children, my grandchildren to have a safe space. I want them to be able to come to the church and then know the church family. You know, they probably gonna move off from Tuscaloosa. I don't know, but if they're still here, I want them to know the people in you know in church I, wherever they go. That's the same thing I would want for them because that that's the thing that reared me. That in school, you know. I talk about my teachers, Mr. Geis, uh, uh, Miss Nelson. I talk about all of them who shaped my career, right? Miss Shine, they kept me, they told me I, you know, I talk too much and be, behave. Miss Shepherd, you know, all those people. Uh, Miss Thayers, I know all of my teachers. If I meet them today, you know, I just had the privilege of going home and my, and my, my, my choir teacher saw me and she cried the whole service. <laughs> the entire service and, and we just hugged and we talked she said I knew you were going to turn out to be great and oh your word blessed me and I had to preach there for a conference but but that's the reality they experience family in, 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 you know all of that and I think that's very important that when I go back to my church you know my, the church that I grew up when I have an opportunity I don't have much opportunity now because of my schedule um, that you know they know me when I come into town. They know me when I when we were uh, taking my mom to bury her back in South Carolina. And my dad, our whole church, the church that I grew up with, came because we were all part of family. They all they all knew Smitty. They all knew Ned. They all knew that, and they were there to embrace. They were there to encourage, to provide comfort because we created. And I'm talking about now. I'm in my early fifties. I grew up with these people when I was a baby. And they're still there providing the context and safety and security of family. And my thing is, do our children have that? Do our children know that? And the con- here it is, do we want them to? There has to be a desire. I want my grandchildren to know that. I, I, I want my grandkids to know that. That same kind of family that I grew up, the context, not the same people, because that you know you know my and I love it my children are like well we don't know none of not none, you know nobody from cross we don't we've not ever been to your family on your side and so we're trying to plan a trip to South Carolina so they can grow they grew up with my wife's family here my my baby son is close with his, my wife's family here my oldest two they were more close to my family but they know it was a system and and intentionally it was done that way culture call we have got to stop making excuses and rebuild the family context from the family in our home, in the church, and at school. And you're going to see how much of a difference it makes in your children's grades, in their self-esteem, in their health, in their their perspective of life. You're going to see how it changes the context of their decisions when they know that I have a family that's my springboard. Yeah, we cannot put that off. Listen. Give me a holler, 205 Hit me up on the app. This is The Culture Call with yours truly, 
L. Spencer Smith right here on your inspiration station, Praise 93.3. Keep it right here. There's much more to come. Don't miss it. We are back right here on the Coach Cole with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3. It's the top of the hour, 11 a.m. and some change. Welcome to those of you who are joining us for the second hour. I am telling you, we've been rolling here this morning, and I pray that you listening. And, you know, I'm not fussing. We've been talking about rebuilding family, reconstructing family, the black family in particular, uh, and I'm serious, serious, serious about it. But before I go there, I want to go ahead and just mention uh, and invite you as the pastor. Yeah, let me put on a different hat to our Sunday service, our Stillman College Sunday. That's right. This week is Stillman Homecoming, Stillman's College, College's homecoming. And uh, they're having uh, a lot of festivities. Well, we always end uh, the week with uh, honoring our Stillmanites that are there, alumni and college students that are at our church and uh, we we adorn the church in blue and uh, and gold, and we have a great time. We give money to the scholarship fund. It's an awesome time of worship. Last year was amazing and a blessed time. Want to definitely invite you this Sunday at the Impact Nation Fellowship Church, 1110 26th Avenue East, right there in the heart of Alberta City. That's right, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, up from the University of Alabama, across from the former Leland Bowling Lanes. You can find us right there. If you don't have anything else to do, and uh, I told them on last night, yeah, you can come even if 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 you're a little tipsy. I don't know what you're gonna be doing out there, right? If you, yeah, just come on to church. Come on to church. It's gonna be an amazing time as we celebrate the Stillman College Tigers. That's right, uh, founded in 1876, and they are still around, educating some of the most brilliant and bright people on the face of the planet. Shout out to Stillman College. This week is their homecoming. Oh, hail Stillman! That's right. And want to make sure that you are a part of that. I'm sure uh, there are many other places, but I didn't get your announcement. So don't be mad at me. Don't be hitting me up. You didn't say nothing about my church. Well, I didn't know nothing about your church. Guess why? Because you didn't follow my instructions and send your church's announcements to culturecall.praise at gmail.com. Or neither did you hit me up on my Facebook because you don't follow the culture call. Yeah, so just go to Facebook because you're on there anyway. Yeah, and go ahead and find The Culture Call. I like my page, and guess what? You can send your public service announcements there because I don't want to miss anybody. I do not want to miss anybody. I want everybody to know the great things that's happening right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But I wanted to make sure that I gave you that announcement and uh, uh, so that we could definitely, definitely celebrate Stillman in the way that she needs to be celebrated for all of the historical and present work uh, that she is doing to uh, to educate our children and to educate the next generation of leaders. So, so yeah, we send a, a shout out to Dr. Yolanda Page and uh, the new president there and uh, all of the alumni and students at Stillman College this week. Y'all have a safe safe time in your celebration okay good deal listen want to get back to the heart of the matter here and that is reconstructing black family and one of the the situ uh the questions that i normally get asked is bishop how do we do that how do we do that i mean are we too far gone uh i said well no it's uh, you're not we are not too far gone as a black community because i believe that as if we we but we do need to pull on and we do need to I guess, sit and regain some insight and wisdom from former generations. See, because family is always designed to be 
a safe space, a safety net for who you are. Now, when I say that, I say that understanding the context that everybody did not grow up in that kind of definition, a safe definition with regards to family as an institutional concept. I know that, that some some folks came from bad families. Some folks didn't have families, right? Every family, let me go and put it on the table, every family has dysfunction. Every last one of families have dysfunction. I mean, you're not going to get around it. It is what it is, right? There's no perfect family, right? That simply means that there are people that are going to show up how they show up in family. There's some idiosyncrasies, some personalities, you know, uh, that we have to navigate through. There is always an interesting aunt or a more interesting uncle that we've got to navigate through. But, you know, that, 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 that doesn't mean that we cannot experience the context of family. All of us come from interesting families. And for those who don't have that particular definition, you know, um, of what family is, this would be a great time to begin. That to me, I'm not going to give you an excuse to say, well, Bishop, I never came from a good family. I didn't know this one. I didn't know, know that one. Okay, yes. Okay, how old are you now? And what can you do for your present context? You know, um, because I believe that God, the Bible says that God, the Lord puts the solitary in families. So even if you're out there alone, I believe that God has given you on opportunities for relationships and connections um, that will add the family context to your life. Don't you think? Yeah. And so as long as we keep saying, well, and allowing you to use, because it may be reality. Hear me. It may be your experience. But when you use your reality and or your experience for the reason why you can't have or don't have something, the longer you use it, it moves away from being your reality and your experience to your excuse. And... An excuse we cannot tolerate. We're not tolerating excuses in 2024. This is the year of no defeat. We are not tolerating excuses in 2024. So then how do then we come to the context of understanding the building blocks of family? And I'm glad that you asked that. That family begins with that organic relationship. It could be biological or it could be people that God just divinely life connects you to that you find trust, relationship, that, you know, that we all experience people who may not be a part of our biological bloodline, but we experience relationship there. We experience a level of connectivity, a deep level of connectivity, right? There to where we are safe with them and we find family with them and we we experience the ups and the downs. They are there for the us and we are there for them. And so I, I think... We need to get out of, you know, the uh, 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 the context of all family would just be biological because that's not true. You know that and I know that, that all family will not be biological. It is the level of trust and connection that you find, right? And begin to build from that space in that place that you cannot stay away from relationships because... Uh, when you were growing up, you experienced relationship from a, 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 a bad context or a bad definition. Your experience with it, you know, just because I tell, I tell people all the time, just because you experience 
one bad woman don't mean that all women are bad. Just because you experience one bad man or, you know, whatever, that doesn't mean that all men are bad because you don't know me. You know, a lot of people you don't know. And so you cannot use that as a, a rejoinder to, you know, to not do a thing or an excuse or a reason why. I don't fool with people. I'm just by myself. That's not a healthy context. That God never created us to be by ourselves. As a matter of fact, he said it is not good for man to be alone, right? And so family is a result of that thing, that entity that God created so that you could always feel that there was a safe space for you to belong. And regardless of what you experience, and I'm, again, not negating your experience, but I am telling you, you can choose to still build family, right? Who are those people who you are compatible with that you, again, that you feel safe with? That's your family that you can call at the drop of a dime, that you can tell them your secrets and you know that they are vaults. It's not, they're not going to uh, utilize what you tell them as weapons against you or rumors uh, to gain relationship with other people who are destructive to your being. No, that's not what family is. Family are those people that you can share your deep and intimate secrets with, your notions, your insecurities. You can be vulnerable with them, and they cover you. They guard, they guard you. They protect you, and you feel a sense of safe connection there. That's what family is. And again, that may be in your natural bloodline, and it may not be, but the embrace is not the bloodline. The embrace is the family. It's the family. It's not the bloodline. Because everybody will tell you you're not close with everybody in your bloodline, and neither would you want to be, right, simply because we blood. No, all your skin folk and your kin folk is what Zora Neale Hurston said. Shout out to, you know, our ancestor Zora Neale Hurston. But that's the reality, right? And so you find that. You find a place where you are safe. You find the people around with whom you can experience life with, you can share life with, and begin there. And you build that on the context of trust and, and communication, right? Honest and open and respectful communication. I can talk to these people. They, watch this, they get me. They understand who I am, right? That's important for us to understand, right? And, and, I, I, and then I've, I've, the formulate levels of trust. I trust them. I trust them with my life. I trust them with my children. I trust them to to keep the most innermost, deepest things that God has given me and what he made me to be. I trust them with my dreams. I trust them with my vision. Yeah. Trust. You cannot have a family unit if there is no trust. Trust is the seedbed of even communication. Trust is the seedbed of covenant. That you got to be able to depend on me and rely on me and what I said I'm going to do and vice versa needs to be the same. That I've got to trust you as well, right? I think that's important. You got to have trust, right? And then you got to have some kind of time, time, time that you spend together, right? You can't have family to the to the degree and to the level of which we needed in which it was ordained and not invest QT with getting to know those who you're trying to connect with. If you're always uh, introverted, see, introversion and all that stuff, come on, come on. No, you can't, no, don't give yourself an excuse not to connect. 
you got to have that quality time. you got to have it. It's imperative if you're going to have family. That, yes, you got to have, you got to go to the, uh, 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 to the family reunion. You got to go there. You got to go to, you know, to the, to the Christmas times and the Thanksgiving times. You got to do that. And you got to take the good as well as the quirky. <laughs> you got to take those people that you don't too much. Oh my God, they get on my nerve, but they're my family. And you got to, you know, you got to be around big mama, big papa, those people that you really like, mama, daddy, all those. You got to be around them. Right? And because it, 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 you got to have quality time. That's how you're going to tell about, that's how you're going to fortify the connection and build the sense of belonging. Because if you don't, it's not a family. That's not what you have, right? And 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 not only do you want to have quality time, but family, uh, uh, family is, are, are people, or the family is a set of people, a group of people that you can go through with. That, yeah, that they are resilient, that they are 10 toes down on who you are and what you believe, that they've got your back. They are your safety net. They are your defenders. Whether you are there or not, they're not going to let people touch you or verbally, you know, strip you of your dignity and your worth and your value. Family says, okay, I tell you what. Now, we can talk about, you know, we can, we can, we can, we can mention Linda, but you ain't going to talk about her like that because, yeah, we it's going to be some dust in the city, some smoke in the city. You're not going to talk about my family like that. That's not what you're going to do. I'm just saying, no, I'm telling you. I'm just saying right now you're going to lose some teeth if you talk about my family like that. We're not going to do that. That's what we are not going to do. Family are, are, are those people that when you are absent, they defend you. And when you are present, they protect you. You feel me? Absolutely. Absolutely. That... These are the people that are, are are the folks that that will help me walk through. If we help each other walk through trauma, we provide for each other. If I can, if I got food and they don't have any, then guess what? They can come over to my house or whatever. We can meet. I'm never gonna let my family go under. I'm not not go, no. And anybody who connects with me is gonna have to be that same person. That's. That was one of the things that we, my wife and I, we told our children, don't bring nobody around here who you who don't want to be around us. Because y'all know we have a strong sense of family. You know, we'll go and we'll, you know, go someplace and stay in all the house together. Don't bring nobody who don't want to talk, don't want to laugh. You know, we jank. And I mean, all all of y'all, all four of y'all, don't bring nobody like that because I, as daddy, I'm going to be the one that tell them. And not just me, but my brothers, my sisters, our, our, our family. We are building something. Don't bring nobody who's an outlier. Well, I just like to be myself. Oh, I just want you by myself. No, 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 no. That's how some of you all got in trouble right now. You married somebody that was just love, love you, didn't like your family, and they sequestered you and they got you off by yourself. No, mm, 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 mm. And one more time, no way. Oh, no. Uh-uh. We're not having none of that. No, no, they need to be a part of our family. I don't care what your new last name for my daughters. I don't care what girls you bring to us. If We want to feel a sense of family. And we can tell that based upon the kind of family they come from. Family is important. It must be important to us. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That even if their parents come over to my house, we want to be a family. We want them to feel family. Yeah, they're guests in our home the first time, but the longer they stay, the more family they become. Yeah, I'm going to pull out the plates in a good china for you the first time, but when you come back, you home, you family. Go in there and get you something to drink. Go in there and pour you, pour you some juice or whatever that is. Yeah, that's what we need to be focusing on. It, it takes effort. But no, you're not going to be able to bring anybody around me that I can't call, you know. It was a, it was an amazing thing to see how my wife, you know, adopted my family as her dad and mom. And oh, no, and I didn't come to Miss Moore and, 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 and Miss and Pastor Moore, River Moore. Nope. It was mom and dad, mom and pop. That's how it is. If you can't do that, no, because again, it's got to be extended. It's got, it's got to, we're being intentional about allowing this person to come into our space because we're building a net of resiliency that it is not, this cord is not going to easily be broken. No, absolutely not. And that's important. Now, I hear you saying, well, I, I, I mean, I'm already in something that's not like that. Well, you, it's not too late to change. It ain't too late to reverse that. No, but you having a family reunion and they're like, well, I, I'm not. No, I no. The only way that that can happen is if, if you're not close. If you're not close, you know. But you got to make sure that you're building something that's going to last. Family. That's right. Absolutely. And 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 for God's sakes, please, y'all, please get a develop a family faith. Oh, my God. Get a family faith. Get let me say this again. Get a, a get a family. Let me, let me. Oh, my Lord. Get a family faith, y'all. Stop, don't, don't, listen, change your view and your aspect of the church. Your, your kids don't know the pastor, don't know the first lady, you know? Your kids don't, don't, they don't know, you don't know them, introduce yourself. Use this weekend, use this Sunday. And go and say, hey, that's right, meet other people at the church. Build a family faith. Don't just use the church when it's time for you to have a wedding and then get mad when we charge you, because you're not part of the church. You're not part of our church family. So to rent to rent our facility is this much. Now, if you're a family member, no, the church is free. If it's open, it's free, because membership has its privileges. Family has its privileges. But you, we ain't seen you since you've been christened. You've been doing that, and you want to use our church because we got a nice facility? Okay, well, to rent us because I got to get sound man. I, you, want, you, you know, you, the musician, I got to get, you know, I got to get the church cleaned, uh, and I got to make sure I got janitors. Yes, that's going to be $500 to rent. Yeah, because you're going to rent someplace more than some. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And I hear some of y'all, but the church ought to provide. Okay, yeah, but you ought to be a part of the church family. You're not going to be talking about church and, and the church for on Monday and through Friday, something happened, Monday through Saturday, and all your life you ain't been connected, then come to church and something happens and you want them to open up and give you benevolence? Because that's one of the things we ask. 
Where, 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 uh, where, where's your church family? Do you have a church family? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, now you know you want me to pay your bills. Why you got? Why you? I don't. Why I got to come to your church? And I because you want me to pay your bills. You want me to take money that the family just gave and and offerings and seeds and and all those things. You want me to give all of that to you to pay your bills, but you don't want us to say, well, yeah, you need to be a part of our church family. So folks don't mind being benevolent. Listen, I'm the kind of dude that's going to tell you it is what it is. You can fuss all day. You can be mad all day. But yeah, you know I'm not telling the fib. You know that I'm not telling the untruth. Exactly. We ain't never seen you, but you want us to pay for your daddy's funeral? No, family will help you. Huh? But we don't know you. Who are you? You go up to any random person and said, my, my, my this and that deceased, and, you know, we need a space to have it. You go, and they're going to be like, well, who are you? And so we have expectations. We want the church to be family when we have a need. What, the, what, what I'm saying to you is make the, the church a part of your family. Support it. Attend there. Be active there. Be vibrant there. Develop your faith, your values, your morality there. So that when something happens, when something goes on in your life and you need spiritual care, you need somebody to buy you some chicken or cook some greens or some corn and do all of that? Absolutely. No problem. No problem. Because you are, we are what? Family. Right? That's what Dream Girl said. We are family, like a giant tree, <laughs> stretching forth out to the sky, right? That's what we do. That's what family does. That's the importance. Develop family relationships at school. So when your children are cutting up, because that teacher is, uh, is knows you and is a part of that unit, they know all they got to do is say, "Don't please don't make me call your, your daddy. Please don't make me call your mama. Don't do that. Right? Be a, so that when the teacher tells you what's going on, you will trust what they say because they're a part of your family because you know they're not just an educator or somebody trying to get your child in trouble. No, you know that it's been, that, that it pains them to even tell you because they see your child as a, as a surrogate nephew or a niece. They see them in a different place as a grandchild. I don't know how long they're staying in the classroom now because when I grew up, my teachers were older, much older, <laughs> right? But yeah, make sure that you do that, not just in church. We're talking about three entities in school as well so that so that, that teacher has agency and, and power to be able to say, hey, you don't want me to call your mama. I just talked to your mama the other day. You know you don't want me to talk to her. And they're straightened right up. Or if something is going on with your child, they'll look out for your child at school. They'll step in and say, no, just give them to me. I got it. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. They'll protect your child. If your child is time for scholarships and things, yeah, when they're part of your family, they'll be like, hey, I just want to give you a call. You know, uh, Jashira, she's up for the scholarship or she has the opportunity to get this scholarship. And I want to make sure y'all know. So I've already talked to her. She, I brought her in my classroom. I'm just telling you so you all, we can make sure she gets this scholarship. See, that's what happens 
when you're not disconnected and you make the school teachers, educators a part of the family. See, we miss tremendous resources because of the way we're practicing this thing. Yeah, the way that we are practicing this thing. Absolutely. If you miss that, if you miss developing that kind of relationship, our children will slip through the cracks in an educational system that already is just trying to push them through. It, that, that, yeah, that or, or better yet, that that child, when they misbehaves, they'll exact the punishment on your child and you have no recourse. Now you got to take off from your work, your job, because you ain't got nobody there that you can call and say, hey, find out what happened from, to, for, uh, to, with my child. Find out what happened with Jay. Find out what happened with Ty. Because I got to work and I can't get off. Okay, no problem. I got you. I got you, sis. I got you, bro. Just give me a minute. I'm going to go and ask some folks what happened for real, for real. And tell you what's going on and what you need to come down. Because, yeah, you need somebody like that in your family. And the only way to do that is that you got to make that connection. You got to make that intense, intentional connection to that teacher to make them joy so that they can put their God down. You're not just coming. You're not just coming fussing and fighting. What's wrong with my child? What they did to my child? What did they, oh, my kid. Okay. All right. Okay. That's what we're doing today? Yeah. And so that that's the thing. That's the thing that um I, we, we really need to focus on is building solid family in all of those areas. See, when you begin to talk about experience, I've got a plethora of experiences. Folks done got mad at me by the church order. The church order. Ma'am. Ma'am. The church did it for that one, and it ain't do it for my family. Ma'am, ma'am, where you, what's your church home? I don't have a church home. That I went to I went to this one, I went to this one, and I went to that one. Okay, why didn't you ask them? Because I ain't been there. You ain't never been here. I ain't been there in years, but you ain't never been here. Why is your expectation? Because you got to, sometimes you got to check folks. And so I know some of y'all are like, well, pastor, that means people are in need. I get it. But at some given point, people need to be in need, but also be held accountable. Because, because we, we one day may fall in need. Guess what? Get, guess what? Then we need to hold them accountable to the need they might have. You need to be, you need to be able to build relationships because you may fall into a need. And when you get there, it's too late to build, uh, to, to build relationship because people will think you're what? Taking advantage of them. You didn't see it necessary to do all those things then. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, I remember when I was even in college that my professor, my professor said, guess what I did? I, I wasn't showing up for class. Y'all, you know, that's my past. That, yeah. I wasn't showing up for my saxophone lesson. My professor called my daddy. Because one of the things you had to put, what do your parents do? So my daddy was a band director. So my professor called my father and told him, Lord Jesus, that I was not showing up. And said, listen, I don't want your son to get kicked out. I don't want him to get the scholarship taken away. I don't want him to get on probation. But he's not showing up for class. So I want to make sure you're, you're alert because y'all spending good money to send this boy to Florida and them and paying them out-of-state fees. <laughs> My goodness, Dr. John W. Daniels.
may he rest in peace, called my daddy. And I get a phone call. I was used to getting a phone call from my mama. That day, my daddy called me. And I was like, okay, this is strange. And he just chewing the fact, man, you're enjoying yourself, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I didn't even know I was being set up for the okie doke. <laughs> I didn't know a family situation was getting ready to happen. He said, uh, I received an interesting phone call. I said, oh, you did? You know, I'm thinking he's got, I'm thinking he's talking about himself. He said, uh, do you know? Here's what he said. Do you know, and he knew I knew him. Do you know a Dr. John W. Daniels? John Daniels from FAMU? And I said, I, I paused. I said, yes, sir. But yeah, he called me and he had something interesting to tell me. He said, you're not coming to your sex, applied saxophone class. What is the problem? Why are you not showing up for class? Now, here's the deal. That man could have given me an F. That man could have given me an F and not cared about me because I could have just been another student number to him. But in that moment, he became a part of my family. He knew who to call my band director daddy and my band director daddy let me have it. And then when I walked back in class the next day, right, or when I finally went to class because I think I had him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. When I finally went to class, he said, you got that phone call, didn't you? I wanted to let that man listen. I was so, he said, yeah, he said, yeah, you got that phone call. Your daddy called you, didn't you? You know why? Because I called him. I said, I know. I said, no, you supposed, I said, you, isn't it against the policy for you to talk to the parents? He said, no, but I knew you needed family to get involved. And he was right. I needed family to get involved. So we have to think about family and how we, all, all the possibilities of family and how it's structured in our lives. Listen, I want y'all to think about that today. Yeah. Listen, this is always the culture call with yours truly, Elspeth Smith, right here on Praise 93.3, having an amazing day talking about how can we reconstruct the black family. Got more to come? Don't miss it. Stay right here. This is the world And we are back right here on the culture call with yours truly, Elspeth Smith, Praise 93.3 FM. And we have been, yes, y'all having a great day of conversation, talking about how can we reconstruct the black family. And we talked about three uh, three, three areas that make up the total black family. The black family is not just what happens in our house. The black family is how we experience the intermingling of, one, what happens in our homes, two, our black family in church, what happens in terms of the family we create in church, and finally, the family that we create in education in our school system. And the reason why I wanted to bring this notion again is to make sure that we are thinking all three levels, that those are three places that you are consistently ought to show up for as family. You ought to show up fam- for as family uh, in the church. You ought to show up in the family, of course, in your own home. And you ought to show up in, as family in the school. Absolutely. That is imperative. We go there every day, every other day. Each part of the week, we go there. We don't go to the doctor every day. You know, we don't do that. So they are a part that fortifies and strengthens family. But in our churches, in, in our schools, and in our homes, are the thing that makes up the macrocosm of the black family. And we need to be very intentional about how we really move in those areas. And I, I think what is important as we talk about our various levels of family cornerstones, 
family movement and family momentum, how we build toward the future, we've got to begin to talk about family values, the value of family, better yet, not not just what our family believes in terms of morality and what is right and wrong and all those different kinds of things, but the the value of family, that there is some level of repairing that has to be done. That cannot be ignored. You know, um, one of the things about family is that, you know, and I'm trying to say this kindly, is that when our, when our parents had us, there was no manual for us. When their parents had them, there was no manual. And then when you multiply that, and let's say you get married or you have a child with someone, there's no manual. Now that child has to deal. You got your manual. This person got their manual. And now you got to raise this child. So we've got varying manuals that's at play when we talk about family. Right? We've got various schemes and schematics and techniques and ideas and strategies when it comes to how we're going to do this thing called family. I think communication and understanding what you so desire, right? That everything that your parents did doesn't mean that you have to do, you know? And everything that you did to your children, your children may selectively not decide to build their family that way. And that's all fair. That's that's how it goes. You know, that's just, that just, just the world in which we live in. But here then herein lies the reality. Herein lies the reality. The reality is this is that if if we you know if if we all come from different experiences and perspectives, we all have to agree that that family is important. Family is valuable. Right? Whether you utilize what they call today gentle parenting or whether you utilize traditional African-American parenting, y'all know what that consists of, right? That there has to be some level of agreement that what is important is that the family unit be valued and so much value that we invest to maintain it, that we are proper stewards over it, right? That, you know, some things are, you know, you, you have to, that, that means that families, I, I look and I say, hey, what is what, what's important is that yes, we stay together, that we provide a safe space, that we can always communicate, you know, that daddy's arms are always a safe space, mommy's arms are always a safe space, and as children, you all create that same safe safe space for each other, you know, that's important, you know, that that you build that, and that's valuable. That at the end of the day. We all have a place where we can come and reset ourselves, refine ourselves if we get lost. Refine ourselves when we get wayward and classless, when we're doing things that we know we ought not to do. The family unit causes us to be refined. Yeah, that not only do we relocate ourselves, that we, whenever we feel like we are disconnected and don't know who we are, who, you know, then we can refine, relocate ourselves. But then we can, the family also refines us. There's certain things we 
do and we don't do because we are a part of this stream of communication. We are part of this this hub of safety, right? And I, I mean, I, I utilized that. That was one of the speeches that my, my dad and my mom would always give us when we walked out of the house. Remember whose family you belong to. You're a smith. And here's what we do and here's what we don't do. Right? And and the community will remind us that aren't you Smitty's son? Ain't you Net's son? Uh, XYZ? Aren't you Bishop Townsend and Mother Townsend's grandson? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, they utilize that family not just as protection and respect, but also as a reminder that there's a way you have to present yourself in these here streets. That don't bring shame, huh? To your family's name. Doesn't mean that you're going to do everything right. You're going to be perfect. But ultimately, I represent more than just me as a solitary entity in this world. I represent the Smiths. My children represents our family. They represent Reverend Moore and, 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 and Mother Moore. They represent. So when you get out here and do stuff, you know, remember that the value of the family that God put you in. In other words, don't go out here and doing stuff that's going to take our family name down. Absolutely not. You've got to be dedicated to family to that degree. And that's facts. And, 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 and listen, and that, you know, just generation, that's weight, that's pressure. You're exactly right. Exactly. Pressure keeps you current. That's what I teach at our church. Pressure keeps you current. You need pressure. You need to always be reminded that you have a responsibility. My mom and dad are going uh, to to be with the Lord. They're going, and, and yeah, but I represent, still represent Joseph W. Smith and Lynette Ruth Townsend Smith. I still represent them in everything that I do and what I do. Everything I do, I dedicate it to them because they were, I represent Tyrone. I represent Curtis. I represent Gwen. I represent uh, uh, Mert, I, Myrtle, my grandma Myrtle, my uh, granddaddy John. I represent all of them. I represent uh, Bishop Townsend, Bishop CP. I represent Mother Ruth Townsend. I represent all of those pe- people. I represent my auntie. You see, I so so that when I go out and I accomplish something, it lifts up what the family name. That's what it does. That that when I write a book or I do an album, I send it. I send it. I used to send it to my parents, you know, uh, but I send it to my auntie. I send it to, you know, my brothers. I do all of those things. I represent uh, Patrice Moore Smith. I represent George Jamel and Jaron and Deidre. I represent them. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is that, you know, Deidre is not a, a part of our uh, our, our local house, our uh, nuclear. She's a part, but I treated her. She's been with me since I think she's been 18. And our families are connected through my wife's side. You know, the Irvin family. Yeah. You know, Deborah White and all of them. That, but we took Deidre in. And Deidre is my daughter. Mine. M-I-N-E. Blood couldn't make us any different. And paper is not needed to ratify it. That's what family is. She found a safe space. She today, if she has any issues, she can call and hey, daddy, here's the issue. That's that's yes, absolutely. She's mine. You right? That's family. That's how I was raised, and that's how we got to begin to reformat and reset this thing. 
and not just look at, ooh, I wonder who family that child belonged to. And sometimes I wish these children belonged to my family so I could get them straight. Because, you know, Elle and Trishan don't play in the house. We don't do that. We, family is important to us. Is important to us. No, I'm not just going to let my child run around. No, I'm not going to do that. Not my grandchildren either. I'm not going to do it. No, absolutely not. When it was time for my kids to go to choose a college and, you know, they wanted to go another place. And my daddy said, no, absolutely not. They, they belong at Morehouse and Spelman. That's where they belong at the cream of the crop, the best. That's where my grandchildren belong. Absolutely. And where did my kids go? Morehouse and Spelman. We were hoping that they went to FAMU. <laughs> right? That's a great school. Guess how I know, right? But that's what we but no, their grandparents. Their grandparents spoke over their lives because we were family and they trusted what their grandparents said. They trusted. My kids trusted it as if it was my wife and I saying it because we built what? That kind of family. We value it, family. And I want to encourage those of you who are listening to me today, who have been listening to me for the past two hours, for you to go and get your family and, hey, let's value this. Let's value this. You know, other cultures and other ethnicities, other races, you know, so far as race is concerned, as a human construct, they build families. That's why the Hispanics, they come in the, the Latin families, they, they come over here, they come, they migrate over here, and they live together. They work together. They build together. The Asian families do it as well. Caucasian families do it as well. But I'm not, I'm not white. I'm not Latin. I'm not Hispanic. I'm not, I'm not Asian. I am what I am. I'm an African-American man. And I understand, I understand the power and the efficacy of family and what family has made me. So that's my part of my, what I give to my children and teach them and train them and empower them. That's what I do in my church. Absolutely. That's what I do wherever I go to create some system and stream of connection to whereby I can call you family, whereby we can relate to others as family because you just never know who you're going to need, Culture Call. I need you to fix it. I gave a charge the other day uh, to to those who were attempting to co-parent but found it hard, finding it hard, and I told them, hey, put that down, stop it. No, absolutely not. That's not heaven's best. Provide family. Find a way to co-parent. Everybody get together. Let's talk about what is best for family now. You got a new boo. She got a new boo, sir. That's all of us. Let's go out. Let's meet together and say, this how we're going to take care of this child. That's sometimes with me and sometimes with you. And there should be no disagreement. There should be a level of connection. There should be a level of value. There should be a level of safety and sacredness that our child experiences. And we're going to agree to provide our child the best family. I ain't going to get mad because they call you daddy. And don't you get mad because they call my wife mama. We're not going to do that. We are building a family. We're going to teach them what a functional family looks like. And we're going to provide a springboard for them to have a better life. 
We're going to build this thing so that they can understand that no matter where they go and no matter what they do, they've got a family that they can depend on that's always going to be in their corner. That's what we're going to do. And that's what needs to happen. we got to reconstruct this thing. We've got to build it from, even if we got to build it from the ground up. We already got the twos, but we got to make a concerted effort to do that. Listen, this is L. Smith Smith right here on the Culture Call. Praise 93.3. Yeah, FM, having a great day. I want you to keep it here. We got a little bit more to go. I see the runway. We're about to land this plane. Keep it locked right here. Don't miss it. This is the world premiere. What an amazing day we have had right here on the Culture Call. And I am so very blessed and so glad and grateful that you all hung out with me. That's right, for these two hours today. But don't get fret. Don't fret. Don't you don't you dare fret. We'll be back tomorrow for another provocative, exciting, compelling empowerment for our community. I really believe that. I believe it. And I know I'll be here. How about you? Listen, uh, as we talk about family, as we land this plane, I want to I want you to know that all of us have to do the work. We have to do the work to make sure uh, that what we are building and what we are believing uh, and what has been given to us is 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 guarded well. You know, one of the things that God said to Adam at the beginning to the first man was, "I want you to protect and uh, dress, keep and dress, protect and guard this garden, guard all that I've given you." Because, and I always wondered why would He say guard it? Because I thought Eden was this perfect environment. Eden meaning the place of God's pleasure. Uh, from Hebrew, in the Hebrew context. So why would he say protect and guard? Why did, was it important? Because God knew that there were things lurking outside of the garden that would try to infiltrate, that would try to come and break up, that would try to come and beguile and deceive and to destroy everything that God had blessed him with. And I, I, I was, I was like, wow, okay. So then that propensity to be, you know, to have these elements around you, even when God gives you a thing, you have to always be careful. Yeah. And guess what? Family is our garden. Family is designed to be our garden of Eden. With its rivers and its streams, with its produce, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. That's the element of family, the family context. And... God says, guard it and keep it, protect it and keep it. That's so important that so that no other elements would try to come in to destroy your family, your marriage, your children, your wealth, your your mental stability, your peace, your spirit, your faith. It is our all of our responsibility, culture call, that we protect and keep our garden, our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, our brothers, and our sisters. We all have a responsibility. Yeah. We all have a responsibility to look out for one another and to rebuild, reconstruct. Listen, Black History Month is a good month to start. We have a reason to protect and keep our families yeah, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children that we can at least build to.
two generations of family deep in our lifetime. God willing, it be more, but we are at least responsible to protect our families and do all that we need to do and build from that space in that place. And I want to charge you today, Culture Call, get back or get to rebuilding our black families. Listen, as my grandmom and my mama would say at the end of every phone call, I love you, a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. This is yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on your favorite talk show, The Culture Call, right here on Praise 93.3. I want you to be good, love intentionally, have a great day. Yeah, it's beautiful out there. That's right. Have a great day. Be kind to someone and do all that God has placed in your heart. It's going to work. It's going to win. Yeah, it is. You are going to win. Y'all have a blessed day. Peace.